1: This week, it's a special one, and I am 100% sure that when you've listened to it, you'll want to wrap Tom in a blanket and take him back to yours to sit in the corner of your office for a constant source of help and calming advice. Tom Wright is a commercial filmmaker turned educator who loves all things tech geek chic. Is that is that a thing? But don't let that fool you, as in this episode, we dive into some deep conversations, the importance of video in today's online landscape, and why Sam still hasn't adopted Prosecco into his... Who scripted this? Igor, Igor, get back here, mate. Come here. I don't
2: like it when you're telling me what to do, Igor. Ooh. <laughs> Forceful, aren't you? you can be. I'm quite gentle. Gentle teller. <laughs> um... Who we are? Another Monday, oh. another episode. <laughs> Yes, it's Tuesday, Igor. Oh. <laughs> no, it's Monday. It's Monday for, for everybody. We oh, drop yeah, on yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Mondays. I'm with you.
1: I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It's just... Come uh, on, so I'm getting with the program. The weeks are a blur at the moment, aren't they? Um, <laughs> it's true. But yeah, we're up and running. We're rolling. Yeah. Um, what do you want to say? What have you got to, what have you got to tell us, Igor?
2: Well, first of all, let's talk about the last few episodes. Yeah. So they were absolutely incredible. Um, the fact that, yes... Jess and Ben, they were absolutely amazing. But having an audience here... I just feel like we're cheating on Tom a little bit. He's sat here. Tom's here in front of us and we're going, let's talk about other people.
3: (laughs) I mean, to be fair, they do sound more interesting than me. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) No, but
2: it's just just kind of like a little recap of the fact that we had an audience here and yeah it's a lot quieter today it is sorry sorry Tom it's <laughs> yeah, okay it's different it's okay. but we're still vibed do yeah, not yeah, worry yeah <laughs> keep it chill I like it
1: it was cool wasn't it I think the one thing that's it didn't I don't know if it's no I think it did surprise me I didn't know what to expect people would take from it but the big thing that I noticed talking to people when they left was how much they were just inspired by hearing mm-hmm. the conversation the and I know brought. people are well I hope people are inspired by just listening to it on the podcast, but being yeah. here in person, I don't know if it just gave it like another layer of
2: It's another level.
1: Yeah, just kind of them getting to see the behind the scenes of it and what goes into it. I don't know if they just appreciated it maybe a bit more than Yeah. Maybe maybe we just take podcasts for granted a little bit. Yeah. I'm not knocking people for listening to podcasts and not
2: appreciating it, but appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think as I think as well, it's the um, the amount that people learned outside of the pot of of the pot, yes. um structure really um, that that was so obvious, and the feedback that we got from it literally straight away was was incredible. Really, just sitting down, the conversations that were being had: um, how are you growing? How's your business going? Uh, have you thought of this? What about that? Yeah, we did um, a little breakout shoot as well, which was yes, great. Yeah, people got some headshots, shot some film as well, and the Q and A again. The QA was. Yeah, I, I really, like,
1: from our point of view for the podcast, I, I really saw the benefit of having people in here, just being able to yeah. ask a couple of questions. The questions were great. Yeah. Just gave another layer of
2: whatever it is to, yeah. to the episode. Just layer um, of depth, really, and people could, yeah. and relatability, really, because you guys, the audience, you. After hearing an episode, I'm sure that your head will be spinning and, and trying to think of how can I implement this? How can I, how can I do that? Can you go deeper into this specific point? Yeah. So it was great for that, really. People were able to really hone in into specific things. I think we're going to do another one, aren't we? Oh, we definitely are. <laughs> I think we're doing... Are we, can we say <laughs> cr- 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 Christmas? <laughs> I think we're going to do a Christmas episode, aren't we? <laughs> so we're gonna
1: get,
2: we don't even know who's coming in yet. No, we don't know. But, but we're yeah, gonna it's, sort it out. It's,
1: it's a given. Merlus. Next door, sorting out yeah. um, the structure of it and, and a few little behind the scenes things that are needed to get the event up and running. But mm-hmm. That's the next thing. Yeah, um, yeah.
2: I just loved it. I, I left buzzing about it last week. And so yeah, great. thank you to the audience that came and for the future one that coming. Um, we cannot wait to meet you and see you because yeah, it, again. This is the point. It's just great to build community and like minded community. Yeah. Um, people that want propelled forward, propelled together, and yeah, I think we could have a whole episode just on this. So Eagle, how much do people need to just share the podcast <laughs> and, and just give us a little bit of a plug? I, I said to Sam, "I've got a grab with the audience. I've got, I've got telling off." Come on, Eagle. <laughs> No, it's just the fact that um we see so much being shared. Um, on Instagram and stuff, which is great, especially after last week, which yeah. was absolutely amazing. Um, but at the same time, um, I, we really would appreciate, we really want to see more um, reviews on Apple Podcasts. And and ratings, that's that's amazing because the numbers are there. We can see oh, it in the background. They're definitely there. Uh, we know that you guys are listening. You are listening. We know where you live. <laughs> <laughs> no, so yeah, we know Jesus that... Jesus Christ. <laughs> we know that people are there. It's all like a over nightmares tonight. And Spotify, yeah. Like, can you like on Spotify? I don't think you can. So, I think you can put... A, you can love heart yeah, I Yeah, think. yeah, yeah. Um, and... YouTube, that's a massive one We as will well. come to you in a minute, Tom. Don't, don't worry.
3: <laughs> I mean, I do feel a little bit like Chopped Liver, yeah, but that, that's just me We will be with you in a moment. We're just, just
1: doing let, the admin, I mean,
3: you've, you've had an exciting week, I get it. Don't <laughs> yeah, worry about just let, it. Fine.
1: Let Igor have his moment. Yeah. Um, I think the point he's getting to, and I'm going to kind of bring it in as well a little bit, is yeah. that a share for us is absolutely enormous. I, we can't, for a second, underestimate just how important yeah. and how valuable it is. And we're so we are so grateful for the ones that we get. Um We're not Stephen Bartlett. We haven't got, you know, (laughs) millions of followers. We don't have people on here that have got, you know, an audience of 500,000. It just doesn't, that's not us. Yeah. Um, So actually just you sitting at home or in your office listening to us now, if you can just screenshot the episode or our Instagram feed and tag us and put us on your story, just do it now. Just get your phone out, screenshot it, put it on Instagram. Just tell people that you're listening to it. Like that for us is enormous, and it mm-hmm. just helps us grow as a brand because we don't, we don't want to not do this. I mean, we want to carry on doing it. Oh yeah! And and if we're going to carry on doing it, it's got to grow. Yeah. Um. So please, 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 share it. Thank you to anybody that does share it. Yeah, that's you know, it. We really, we, we do grateful. see more than we really appreciate it. So. See my smile. Right I think now. we've made our point there. Should we yeah, move on? Definitely.
2: Um. Yeah. Ba-dum-tsh. Cool then. You bring him in. Here we are. So this is another idea. We are a podcast for creative entrepreneurs that we want are. to see their business level up, and and we, we do that by
1: bringing guests on board, don't we? Yes. Chat.
2: And today we have the amazing Tom Wright. <laughs> <laughs> there's no, but, there's no confetti for you here this week. Tom. I mean, I do apologise.
1: Well, there is a bit of confetti. <laughs> um, there's a you, few remnants. Right, there you, go, right by there you go. There's a little bit of confetti by your foot.
3: It's like so, glitter as an adult, right? It just gets everywhere. Yeah. You just can't. There's not getting that in the carpet. I like. mean, it was a
1: week ago, and I'm still finding glitter <laughs> and uh, confetti just yeah. knocking about the office. I think so. it'll
2: last for a while. Maybe, maybe, maybe on the Christmas episode, we will rethink.
1: We'll rethink the. Um, the confetti
2: imagine oh. wedding venues now how annoyed they get at all a confetti yeah. Drop oh, back. yeah straight away I was like I can see why they I can see why they're miserable sods
1: yeah. <laughs> But yes. It like me. Oh, it's like how,
3: how to make friends with a coordinator right there yeah. <laughs> miserable sons I it was bloody idea I was like, Eagle, I've got
1: this confetti cannons let's do it great. And
3: instantly boom instantly into your coffee everywhere else I mean anyway. I can just imagine Igor sitting there like yeah you do that yeah, <laughs> let's, see. yeah. let's see goading let's see. me go on, go yeah. on
1: mate you go do it yes yes
2: it'd be funny um, it'd be funny
1: but yeah mate so nice to have you so nice to Thanks. meet you last uh, they've been I know you and Igor have, have spent a bit of time together. I mean, I, f- I feel privileged was... today.
2: I feel like I have my two BFs <laughs> yes. on each side. So this, this is great. This is great for me. I'm, my my I'm first element. question for
1: you is how did you manage to spend three or four days in Scotland with this guy? Um,
2: <laughs>
3: I mean... <laughs> I don't know. I guess I made myself useful. Like it had a camera that took video. That was a, that was a good start. But honestly, uh, it, that was really good trip. Like it yeah. ended up being really interesting driving through like Glencoe. Glen stopping Stopping. Like, there's a bunch of video footage that nobody's seen yet. Which it sounds dirtier when you say it. Out loud. <laughs> um, but yeah, this, this, we took a bunch of video stuff because obviously Igor had a job there, and needed like some support second shooting, but also. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Igor's working on his, his course. Yeah, Igor, um, how
1: is that course going on?
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> how are you getting on with that course that, <laughs> that was meant to be live
2: this, 12, 13, 14 months I, I, ago? I think it'll, it'll be will be a good conversation. It's coming in anymore. 2027, guys. <laughs> when, Igor is launching a course. I think this will be a good conversation to go when we chat about education. But no, it's, yeah. whew, it's hard work. And especially as, as things have ramped up, um, yeah, I, I think found, we, both I have a, we both have a
1: newfound respect for anybody that's in the education sphere, don't we? Yeah. as a content creator, even in fact, just as YouTube, like seeing YouTubers constantly putting content out, mm-hmm. the work that goes on. Sorry, Tom, I've just no, but yeah, this is
3: it's just to, to be honest, like this is kind of what I prefer anyway. Like, I, I, I think that. Like there's a lot of conversations to be had around education in photography, and I think it's important we talk about how isolated it can be. Yeah. Like you were saying about YouTube, and like it does feel like you're shouting into the void for a little while. Like, in, like recently I, I posted a video that got like ten thousand views, which, but that's the one on my channel that's like That the rest like two hundred, yeah. and I still only have two hundred and fifty. So instantly, your
1: expectation is I want ten thousand views on the next video. And exactly, they don't live up to that straight away, do they? It's-
3: and when you read through the comments the things that people are asking for are things that you would never particularly want to do like they want one person is desperate for me to try the camera in like the rain or the other one wants me to try the camera in such situation it's like you can't you can't please everybody we don't have the time to kind of be pleasing everyone and following the likes etc so you do end up having to kind of be somebody that deals with isolation a little bit better somebody that's more willing to have an opinion and, and, and stick to it and say something and it's hard, especially when you've got other client projects knocking on the door. You can't just kind of like derail that and think, no, I'm going to do my own thing and ignore my clients because the fact is we're, we're business owners, we've got work we need to do. Um, so like, I totally get why it's taking you so long, Ego. Like, it, it's not an easy thing to shelve something and try and get your head in the right place yeah. that you can blaze your own trail, say something meaningful that's worthwhile to your audience and get it recorded. It's It's absolutely a challenge.
2: Yeah, it has. It has been. But at the same time, I'm not sort of like... Put down by it, if that makes sense. Um, I just can't wait to get it out. I'm, I'm, I'm that sort of like. Yeah, I mean, we're all waiting. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting for 15 months, Igor. It's coming. It is. It's coming.
1: <laughs> but no, it's no, it's right. I think there's a. I think there's a huge amount of work that goes on behind this. I think. I think this of any industry, any profession. There is always more than meets the eye, isn't there? Mm, yeah. You know? With that Um yeah, huge amount of respect for anybody that makes YouTube their profession or they're, you know, creating content for educational stuff. It's, yeah, that's
2: it. It's huge. But yeah, we're advancing. We are. We love to do this, yeah. don't we? we? We love to sort and of like that, jump just, just over that, the fence. That point
1: that Tom made as well, it's made me go, actually, I kind of, and we've talked about this very briefly before, but we almost downplay what we've done here mm. in this podcast. Mm-hmm.
3: Can, do you mind I if I... I raise up what you've done here with this podcast then? Because, yeah, like, Because yeah, yeah. from, from an exterior perspective, like, I, I, I listen to podcasts all the time. Like, When I'm not editing video, if I'm in the office, I'm listening to a podcast. It's that simple. And I think one of the problems we've had is that previously, the people that are delivering the material are either completely out of touch and not operating businesses anymore. They're primarily educators, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Like, The fact is, if you're putting all your effort into one thing, it's hard to split, which is why it's... So impressive you've done what you've done, but also the fact that you're not sticking to one industry sector. Like you're dealing with creatives in general. So if I'm a bit burnt out on photography one day and I can't stand the thought of looking at another camera, like you have a guest on that makes knives or like builds smokers. I know that's the same guest to be fair, but like this, this is it's good because it means that the the advice you're given is multidisciplinary you can look at it and think this is going to inspire me whether i remain a photographer for the rest of my career or if in six months i take a hard left turn and go into into interior design or events management the point is you're trying to inspire people and you're doing that at your own expense so as an audience member we we don't see the effort you put into it but it's still appreciated i really like tom
2: I know you've (laughs) been. Thank you, Tom. No, no, seriously. Um, Thank you. Because
1: we we do this every time. Yeah, straight in. This this, this was the point. This was the point. This is great. But (laughs) but should we just intro who Tom is? Yes. (laughs)
2: Um, So, Tom. Tell us a little bit more about you. What do you do? Um, why do you do it? And where are you from? <laughs> just yeah. a, just the live just, questions. Yeah, just a quick intro. It's so, so cool.
3: as you can probably tell by the accent, I am from the north. Like, um, I'm, I'm based about an hour at Manchester in Burnley. Um, lived there most of my life. Um, got into photography, actually out of education. I used to be a guitar teacher. Uh, moved to a new town and basically didn't think about how much competition there was in the area. There were like 10 other guitar teachers within a one-mile radius. So started looking for other stuff to do. Um, Actually ended up walking into Manchester City Centre on a whim, walked past the shop, saw some old Polaroid cameras in the window, and it turns out that was the distributor for Polaroid film in the UK because Polaroid had gone bust. A company called Impossible Project and started making some really terrible
2: film. Yeah, I remember Impossible Project. Yeah, I loved yeah. it. Absolutely loved it. I got introduced the Polaroids through Impossible really properly.
3: It's really cool. But the thing is they had a product that didn't work. So the distributors was tearing the hair out because um, they couldn't keep the stuff in customers' hands, they go out and shoot one frame, and it'd be like literally corroded, like the black and white film used to rust. That's true. So it'd go from black and white day one to day two. It was literally just a, an orange sheet of, yeah. of corrosion.
2: And I still, I still got so many of those. Those yeah. sheets really that you would shoot it and then just over like two days. So, be so, the, completely so, the print, different. so the print
1: would come out, come out great, well, yes, it'd be so fine. You, but the following day, the day yeah. after, so you literally yeah. had right. to scan yeah. it there and then, yes. sort yep. of thing. It's not a great, because, product, because, is it? yeah. well, So
3: the thing Flawed. is, you say that, but it is a great product if you look at it the right way. So the issue was is understanding and framing because these cameras were one mainly broken because people were yeah. using the one that was in the granddad's attic that had been like got fungus in the lens or whatever. And most Polaroid cameras were consumer products that relied on like how robust the film was to make him work. Um, so I started out doing this and basically the product isn't terrible largely because it, it forces you to be creative. Mm. And it, I, it, there's there's something about like the impermanence or something that makes it more interesting. So like Eagle was saying, like you had to scan it right away, but you could scan it right away. You could scan it day one, day, day two, two day, day three, day, day, day four, yeah. and every stage during the process, it would give a different result. So if you were the kind of person that valued uniqueness, you could say cool, I'm a fine artist, I shot this on uh, Impossible Project Film and on day one, it had this colour palette, day five it was this, and self-five prints that were all the same shot, yeah. just at various stages yeah. of decay. Just your mindset
2: and perspective on yeah. it, really, yeah. Yeah, like that's true.
3: But that was, that was why they brought me on, because it's all well and good me saying that to you now, but all the customers thought what you did it was a bad product yeah it just didn't work because the previous audience for it used it as a throwaway party camera and it couldn't be that anymore because the film is, is on top of everything else like 25 pounds a pack for like mm-hmm. eight shots and people were taking the first shot realizing how much money they'd spent and then having the buyer's remorse and having the result being predictable So they're just bringing it back so in the end i started a workshop um mainly for my friends initially just to kind of like have some fun with some cameras because i'd never picked one up before did that once and then bought like 40 polaroid cameras like just off, <laughs> no. just, off, just off ebay um because they were they were worth nothing because there was nobody knew the film existed anymore so i had i had literally like duffel bags full of polaroid cameras i love and that I, it's like an all or nothing approach isn't yeah, it? Like, yeah.
1: I, i'm all in on this
3: Pretty much, like yeah, it's great. So I ended up doing workshops then at Rough Trade in London and a few other places over the country, like Liverpool. And basically, my job was to stop customers from returning the film. <laughs> um, so, but it was literally that simple. And I ended up getting my first um, like commercial connection. I, when uh, Copperberg launched like a new cider, they had like a launch event in Manchester, so I did some coverage for that. And that was like my first real commercial job. Paid nothing because I did it through Impossible Projects, and they they, they weren't they weren't really paying very well. But having come from where I was, that was my intro to photography and then kind of moved out of being an educator and into being a photographer with weddings and then gradually into commercial again over years. And right now I'm a freelance commercial photographer, videographer, I'm just starting to do more education stuff, mainly since lockdown. We did a load on... It's almost like full
2: circle a little bit, isn't yeah. it? it?
3: It feels a lot more comfortable, if I'm being honest. Like it, like I, I trained as an adult educator and it feels good to be doing that again. Yeah. Um, it, it feels like it was not what I was meant to do, but it feels like a very natural fit. I
2: yeah, think. you are good at it, to be fair, though, because it's one of the things that I admire about you literally straight away from when I met you. So I think we met Clubhouse. It was yeah. Clubhouse? Yeah. And and just listening to you, I was like, this guy speaks really clearly and yeah. really well. And I'm like, oh, um, it's just yeah you just explain things in a really good manner um, without being kind of condescending or patronizing
1: yeah or mansplaining in any kind of way <laughs> yeah it's exactly just, it's a very likeable, <laughs> likeable you've got operator. a very likable tone and, yeah. and your messages are very you know you just come across from it it comes from a really you can tell it comes from a really good place and like a, a place to just want to help and you even put in your bio that we sent you like oh, i'm doing a course but we don't need to tell people about that i'm just happy to help yeah and i was like.
3: Good <laughs> but th- that's kind of the thing like it, it was especially egregious because Clubhouse initially in the UK at least was like it was basically a 24-7 sales pitch. So when we when we made Reza say we it was um, Adam Johnson, Tony Darcy and me started like a little coffee morning on there and as they got busy they kind of backed out and carried on. But um, the only rule we had is there's no self-promotion allowed. You can't yeah. you can't big up your project. You can't sell your products because we're in lockdown and there was such a temptation that people were going to sell an unfinished product that people didn't need at a time when nobody had any money and we just we were just really conscious that really we just wanted to encourage people and um, help them feel less alone so we talked a lot about mindset about what kind of struggles we we're going through and it ended up kind of blowing up a little bit yeah um met a lot of people that i'd kind of known tangentially on the internet for a while like in the states and, and here um Just because, like, just trying to be nice to people. Because I kept thinking, like, I know how bad I found it when things first kind of went south Mm. and everything stopped. Um, But I couldn't have been the only one. So we were just talking about how we could try and encourage people to feel more comfortable with the limited activity that they could do, look for other sources of inspiration, keep shooting as much as you can, and try and encourage people to get ready for when things
2: reopened again. And the formats I, I used to love the format the format of the back and forth we doubled between. a little bit didn't we i yeah, suppose yeah, this kind did. of where this was born really exactly um, yeah when we... we actually think about it properly yes we we were sort of like thinking of the youtube we want to start a youtube yeah. but then nah that didn't work really we, we barely nice. recorded nah. <laughs> didn't do a thing yeah and then we started doing clubhouse together as well yes which yeah started showing up weekly and yeah yeah I, yeah, mean, I think that's it just made us that there was an audience there, and so yeah. I think it showed us that people were were prepared to tune yeah. in and, and to listen. Yeah, it's true. I've done clubhouse with both you, mm-hmm. two rooms, one. definitely. Yeah, and it, it
3: was weird because that the thing I liked the most about that was that if you ran if you ran it well, it was an equal opportunities environment. So, like you said, you had a live episode and how much of a buzz you got off it because you had fifteen, well, however many people you had, like ten or fifteen people in here, all like eager to, to have a conversation mm. and you, you kind of said before we started recording that um, part of what you loved about it was when you had to make tape breaks for like technical reasons like when your record limits had hit or your cameras or whatever like you you would relish in those conversations it's like those water cooler moments that you get if you work in an office environment where you could just have a chat a bit of shop and just kind of catch up with somebody and just genuinely take an interest yeah. and i think one of the things that's kind of held me back from doing podcast style stuff before is because it doesn't have that like that's that that's the thing that clubhouse did that no other platform has done as well and i get why it's gone people are busy we don't have chance to sit around the water cooler for hours and hours a day anymore because we've got to work um but yeah genuinely genuinely missed that and i think that the more you can do to bring like a human element into like a pre-recorded setting the better because that's where the good stuff is
1: is clubhouse completely gone or is it just underground now? It's, yeah, it's more <laughs> it's underground. Way. I still oh, yeah. get notifications. I actually oh, right. still. I mean, I
2: deleted it. Yeah, sorry. I still left. I still left notifications because I'm still curious to see who's actually still in it. Yeah. But yeah, it's more underground. You're
1: right. it, it definitely had. It was one of the the few apps or platforms that has come along in recent years that you were like, this could stick around. Mm-hmm. Genuinely yeah. could stick around. Yeah, I'm kind of a bit sad it's not. Yeah, I mean,
3: ways. I know why though because it is still a thing like there are still people using it it just it just feels like it got pushed very to very fringe yeah like there's an awful lot of like prosperity uh kind of like not prosperity preaching because it's the wrong word it's not it's not religiously related it's more like people are trying to sell you get, get rich, rich quick. with 10 steps yeah, yeah. Ten, <laughs> 10 steps to your first million all this kind of stuff or it's very like aggressive like, like toxic subcultures that have kind of started to kind of use it as a platform yeah and there probably are other applications maybe i'm just not seeing the right yeah. stuff but that Spaces, seems to Twitter. be um but that happened because a lot of the people that were creating these rooms on clubhouse stopped burnt out. Yeah. like there's there was a few people that really need credit like paul van rieter he's a, a, a american photographer amazing photographer but he Gave so much time to yeah. making sure the community was looked after at the beginning on there. He interviewed essentially every famous wedding photographer you'll ever meet yeah. in a more open way than you can in a pre-recorded. It was format. really
2: good, great episodes with Jose Villa, Jonas Peterson, and whoever else. Really, yeah.
3: Paul, so, like Paul, um, when he did eventually stop going on there, you realize that how much of the audience was specifically because he was like championing open communication on it. And the second he disappeared, like half of the American audience just went. And then when they went, obviously gradually the UK opened up again and we had exactly the same experience. So um, it's not big, I don't think there's any lack of desire for people to have that kind of freedom and have that kind of conversation. It's just, we had a bit of a unique moment. There were a few people that were willing to drive it, and then a lot of people that had the desire to kind of be encouraged and hear from other people.
2: Well, well we done, Sam. We did it. Yeah, we drove it for a little bit. Yeah, we gave it a <laughs> shot, didn't we? But well here well we done, are. Tom's. Here we are. This is where it's evolved. to. Yeah, for exactly. Us. For really us, anyways You know,
1: the,
3: the, 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 don't downplay that though, because like you, you almost made it sound as if yeah, this is this this
0: oh, is it's lesser. Of, it is
1: one of my one of my traits. I always downplay stuff. It's like you know, it's like. Well, just, it's okay. I've done it. It's like, well, let me, but let me, I'm, I'm very aware of that. I'm very aware that I do yeah. downplay it. And I, I, I'm I, trying to make more of a conscious effort to credit myself and give myself a bit of, like, no, do you know what? I've done, I have done well there. I don't know why. I don't know where that comes from.
3: Yeah. But I think as well, this is a better fit for the for, for you guys as well, because you're able to have like a more, a more meaningful conversation in a smaller amount of time as well. Like the way that you interview people gets to the heart of a matter a lot faster than it would in other, other other mediums and I think the fact is that for the limited time people may have this is what they need like this this kind of like nice conversational yeah. manner but with a bit more meat in it a bit yeah. more value you, you don't have to kind of chalk down a 12 course meal to get your nutrients you can just go in and grab your cliff bar and really enjoy it and then
2: get back to running <laughs> so when are you coming back again Tom <laughs> <laughs> no this is great thank you so Sam So, Igor. (laughs) Studio Ninja.
1: Yeah, let's just talk, let's talk a little bit about a sponsor. And I was wondering about what we need to say in this little section, because I really want to talk about just how vital it is to my business. And one thing that came up recently was, in my own business, was that I was thinking about whether I need to get a VA on board. Mm -hmm. Like, do I need somebody that's going to help me just, you know, perform some of the admin tasks? And when I looked at it, and it really boiled down to what do I need somebody on board for? I realized that I don't actually do much admin.
2: Yeah.
1: And I don't do much admin purely because of Studio Ninja. Yeah. Everything's automated. my invoices my diary my questionnaires that i send out email templates email templates chasing up invoices you know everything's fully automated to the point where it doesn't take a huge amount of my time anyway so it kind of defeats the whole point of a va so for me it is a very integral part of my business and i think when you're running a business you're self-employed like we are Mm -hmm. you know being efficient yeah being productive making sure that things run in the right order if you find yourself doing any kind of repeat task you have to say to yourself why am i repeating this automate it um and if you can automate it then that's it and that's really where studio ninja fits in with me and my business and they have very kindly given us a discount code haven't they for this podcast so what's that discount code igor another idea and another idea gets you 50 percent off your first annual subscription
2: yeah
1: so it's just a no-brainer I mean, I wouldn't even be hanging around. Just go and look at Studio Ninja. Just go and do it right now. But thank you very much, guys, for sponsoring this podcast. We love you. We appreciate you. Keep it up. We love Studio Ninja. <laughs> right, I want to just, um, I want to pick up on a little bit of your your actual commercial photography and videography work. Yep. And um, I know you kind of touched on it earlier a little bit about how you kind of got into photography through like the Impossible Projects and Polaroids. But one thing that really stood out when you put your bio to us was about how you'd worked on very kind of complex studio setups. Yeah. You know, and now I've kind of, strip that back to you know very organic and you know simple and minimalistic portraits and i just kind of wanted to just explore that 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 difference to find out you know how both of those were to you and and also Mm. why you've kind of transitioned into that sort of more minimalist approach
3: yeah sure um i mean honestly i I love photographing people like when i was doing the workshops i was um it, it was mainly like street photography but i usually street portraits. So I wanted to photograph people rather than just making it like, here's a lamppost or whatever. Um, Got into weddings off the back of that and um, ended up moving out of that. But when I did leave weddings, I moved into like an in-house job for a a product company, a homeware company. Um, But the majority of their products were translucent. And if anybody's ever had a conversation with you about shooting a product, like translucent products are really tough to shoot because you need to give them dimension with light. Um, and you don't want it to look awful. So you need to do a really good job of mixing hard and soft light. And they had a product library of around about two and a half thousand products. And those two and a half thousand I'll products- will keep you busy, <laughs> won't it? It gets worse. Uh, they came in about an average of five colors per product. And every, in, in a kind of commercial production space, you'd be looking at a marketing pack for that range, which means that you'd have about five images per item per color and group photographs. Maths was never my strong
1: point
2: in school. (laughs) Five times five. (laughs) Oh my Lord. If it makes you
3: feel any better, it wasn't mine either. But I worked it out and if I'd worked full time at the rate that I could shoot these products at to a high high standard, high enough standard. If I worked full time, it would take me three years to catch up with their back catalogue. Work shooting every day, editing every day. That's how long it would take me just to photograph the stuff they already had. Wow. And they increased their product catalogue every week. Um, on top of all this, you were in a situation where um, the company itself, like they're a manufacturing business and the way that they made their money was like selling like uh, products into, into places. So, like they might have a deal with uh, Home Depot or B&Q or whoever, and they would make a limited product that was only available for that provider. And some of those providers, because of the size of the account would have say in the products and all the rest of it in the photography. So as a result, my work was being used like all over the place. But because of the volume of work I had to do, the quality wasn't where I wanted it to be, and it was solitary work. You were literally in, in like a, a, a huge psych studio, which is like this huge like curved like cove light um, yeah environment, putting products in place, photographing it, putting the next products in place, photographing it. I suppose train- that's the that's
1: the cost of the volume, isn't it? Is that yeah. the creativity has to something yeah. has to give?
3: Yep, um, um, and, and the thing that gave was probably the creative input. A hundred percent. And there you see examples of this, like if you've ever been on LinkedIn ever, you'll see job adverts for Boohoo Photographer. And it's because essentially, even though you're photographing people, it, it's a factory. There's just it, the, the, the challenge isn't in the work. The work can be ultra rewarding and beautiful. But the fact that you've got to take a million photographs a, a year and then deal with the backlog that comes with that. Because there's just got so many products. A hundred percent. And and if you ever want to learn how to manage time efficiency or like time in Photoshop or any of those kind of things and put a pound sign on it, work in commercial products. Because the fact is you can't do it if you if you're slow. Because and if you spend too much time on one aspect, it means that you're not onto the next product. You're not keeping up with the pace that you need. Um, so that was in the end the thing that made me decide. Like I I just had my, my son, like Harry, was I think Three months old when I yeah. left, um, and I'd been doing like little pieces of commercial freelance, like in holiday time, essentially, because obviously, because I was full time for, for this company, I was fully employed by them. Um, did a first job for a gluten free food company through an agency, made a decent amount of money on it, was really happy with the with the results. The client was happy. Came away and just thought, well, right, cool. This this is the time to make the to make the jump. Um, so I did. Uh, it's amazing
1: how like a child can just make you kind of go. I'm going to change tact here
2: <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I think we've all been in that position, haven't we? You reevaluate your life completely, really, um, in terms of time, in terms of priorities. Yeah, Um, yeah. And I
3: think that that was the the factor in the end because I realised that doing this commercial job, like it was only one, but it paid about the same as six months of work at the company I was working for. Now, ultimately, I've decided to go a little bit lower level. Like I prefer to work on smaller projects and not go for kind of one large big ticket thing and I'll kind of come on to that in a minute but um it it really has been refreshing having time with my son like all the way through the pandemic I was able to be at home with him and that by the end of it it was more stressful because obviously it it's difficult being around a two-year-old in lockdown um but at the same time like I've, I've had more time with Harry than my dad ever had with me And i love my dad to pieces amazing like it's just it was just a a fact like he was a professional man he worked in engineering worked away you you see him a couple of hours each night and that's it um but having that time was a a huge factor um but also I, i felt like i needed to have more creative freedom as well it's like you were saying like having that level of product and having that level of turnover because i was in house they didn't really see the cost of things like uh, line extension, or like th- the impact that it had when they made decisions like discontinuing a product in a color on their product library. And I realized that if I ever did work with a company again, I wanted it to be on a smaller scale. And I also realized how much I missed people um, because being sat in that studio all day with podcasts in my ears, like feeling isolated was the worst, probably the most lonely time I've ever had as a photographer. Yeah. Um, and the vast majority of the work ends up being post production. So I would spend, for every one day in the studio, I'd be spending two in post. And it's literally just sitting there with a lasso tool in Photoshop, like trying to cut out a translucent object you shot on white. Like it was. <laughs> Have you heard of Canva? <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> like, it, At that stage, yeah, yeah. yeah. But but the, that the thing didn't is, exist, did it? But yeah,
1: it's, um, it's, it's a monotonous task
3: and the thing Uh, is that it kind of it rewards efficiency but there are certain tasks that could not be more time efficient without compromising on the quality it's like any kind of automatic selection tools don't work on translucent objects because there's no edge to detect you have to kind of go through and find it you you kind of learn like when you could cheat on this one like cool this is translucent blue i can get away with it or like but in the end like they were just Entire categories where you just had to go to the effort. Yeah. I'm um, glad you moved away from it.
2: Oh, yeah, I hated it. I hated glad. it. <laughs> so how are you how are you finding now that work with uh, individuals and sort of like more personal sort of space that you yeah. that you sort of like really really wanted?
3: Yeah. So I mean, now work is different. Like I, I try and as often as possible work on retainer, which means that. Essentially, you've got me to maintain your identity for a certain amount of time. We agree a certain number of shoots over, over a year, for example, and you. Contract and pay me for that time, but it means that I can have a more personal relationship with the people running the business. It means that we can talk about direction. And very often, if you go smaller, those companies don't have marketing departments. They they haven't got somebody to help advise them. So you can do more to actually shape the visual identity of the brand. And it's not just a case of come and shoot this on white and be done with it. You've got more control, um, and I love that. It, it's amazing. And actually. Um, Recently, we've done some, saying this before. We've done some work with I Went to Scotland, um, shot some behind-the-scenes
2: content for his course coming up, yeah. and more great. More- but even beforehand, I think the, the main one, Asylum, in London. I think yeah. that was it blew my mind in some ways in terms of like what we can do with video and how you can sort of like um, put a course together, put product together, really. Um, yeah. yeah.
3: I also think that there's there's a massive change coming in the industry um generally. We've enjoyed a privileged position as photographers that the primary Another change. Well yeah <laughs> Oh no, hold on, let me just let me just fascinate. You ready guys? I mean it's the it's the change you're talking about, it's yeah. the one you're talking about right now. It's it's until this point we have had the privilege that the work product that we make for somebody else is our marketing material. And I hate to say it, that's over. It's done. Like th- These platforms don't want you to post photographs anymore. They want you to post video. And whether you like it or not, if you want to get the reach, that's what you've got to do. And I, I said this in a reel the other day, which is ironic because I was talking about how much everybody hated reels, but it- it's, it's kind of one of the situations you need to change or just accept the fact you're going to have to pay for access. And it, we're all upset, partially because we want our artwork to be seen by other people and like, to feel respected and happy about what we make and how much effort and time has been put into it. But the fact is that nobody else on Instagram had that luxury. If you were a jeweler, you couldn't just get on Instagram and, and like instantly see success because you didn't have the skills to make the photographs yeah. people wanted to see. So we were in a highly privileged position where we made incredible photographs compared to any other person in any other industry. And yet... We were complaining now when we have to go to the same effort that every other person's had to make all this time. It's
2: a good perspective,
3: isn't it? I think we'll make a reel out of that clip. <laughs> <laughs> but it's great. <laughs> it's it's,
1: it's, it's right though. We've said it. We've said it before in our Instagram episode. You know, like, Instagram can still be a photo
3: sharing platform if you want it to be a photo sharing platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you, but you've got to accept it's not going to be pushed. No. But the thing is that Instagram aren't making this decision to spite us. The backlash has been strong enough that if there wasn't actual data to support it, they would have rolled it back. Mm. Simple. Like people want to talk to people. People want to see you. They want to see something genuine from people. So if we're sitting here and feeling self-conscious and don't get me wrong, I hate making reels. And it's not because I don't like the, the format. Because I don't like hearing my own voice. I don't like sitting behind a computer, like having to edit myself. So it actually makes sense, you know, because it's, it's, I'm not usually super coherent. Like so, what,
1: what you've just said, we, we've been talking a little bit about um, just behind the scenes about the AGM that we're building and, and going to hopefully launch soon. But one of the guys that we were looking at as a speaker um, in one of his videos, it just stood out to me so much that so I'm going to write it on one of our walls here. Okay. Is that um, it, it was just this line do nothing and nothing happens.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And it just felt really relevant then to what you've just said, which is, if you don't want to do video, that's fine. But nothing's going to change. Or actually, probably be inclined to say it's probably your business might go backwards a bit. Yeah. Because everybody else is progressing forwards; they're embracing that. You know, think of the generations coming through now that are just conditioned and already prepared to create video content. Yeah. Like just like we were with, with photos, you know, it's going to be you're going to be left behind.
3: And I hate to say it because I've said this I've said this before, and I'll, I'll say it again. like i I feel like I'm a photographer, but I make more videos like by by a lot, quite a long way. and it's not driven by me. It's driven by clients usually. Mm-hmm. They, they want they, we want an interview with such and such like such and such director or we need something to show of the board. Like it, people behave like video has, has only become useful because social media deemed it so and that's just not the case like very often you would find that corporate entities want stuff to show to board annual board meetings or to pitch to a client like i did one recently for a company um, they, they make uh, foodstuffs and they were pitching to asda so they spent a huge amount of money producing like a brand film because they needed to get into asda now You can complain about that as a company, think, oh, you should just taste the food. It's not good enough. Like, well, frankly, it probably is, but how are you going to get somebody to eat it if they don't know who you are? And that's how they did it. They went in, they they fought to get the meeting and then paid a huge sum of money to get a sales tool that helped them to sell their product. And in the end, like about, I think it was about six to 12 months after we'd worked with them and we delivered everything, they ended up being um, like the kind of, subjects of an MS advert and a few other bits and pieces. So it'd obviously done them well enough that they could sell into these yeah. places. Talked about this a little bit with Jess, didn't we, last week about the importance of personality and brand.
1: And actually one thing that I wrote down from my, uh, my notes with, your, with, with you today is a little quote on your website I'll give you now, which is, um, mm. behind every craft, every maker and every small business there is heart and soul. Yep. And I was just like, yeah. I like but, and the problem is that people... A lot of people aren't aware of that, or they don't know how to get that across, and they don't maybe recognize the importance of what you've just said there.
3: Yep. And I think this is this is a prime example. Like, I'm, I'm using Igor as an example because he's sat here. Like, There are other people that have done this work. Well, like but this. It, Here we go. <laughs> Be gentle. Do, do you not think, though, that you, you can, you've kind of realized that you can't give you 100% to making photographs on a job and making good video of you doing that? Because you can't. Like, I don't care how good of a videographer you are, you can't film yourself while you're shooting somebody else. It just, it, you're giving away too much attention. But the fact is that there are people out there with businesses literally made to help you. Like my job on those shoots was to make sure you look good, yeah, yeah. making the couple look good. Yeah, yeah. And like that's, this is how you produce content now. And again, you've done it for an educational purpose, but there's no reason somebody else couldn't do that on a, a more small basis. If the is like a nine second clip, like five times a month. So you've got one reel a week and an extra one, just in case you feel like there's something different. That's huge. And I also think that more people running creative businesses can look at their own marketing assets as a library because I mentioned that company earlier, two and a half thousand products, five images of products for each color, and then a group shot. If that's the case for them, we only sell one product, but you still need a marketing pack. You still need a merchandising pack. You have a responsibility to sell yourself. And if you wanna do that at a higher level, people are gonna to expect to see that. So when you're looking at your photographic services or your video services, what are you doing to sell yourself? And like you said, mm-hmm. Jess was the most recent podcast she released like uh, as of recording this, um, it's a prime example. She, she's making a business, doing exactly what we're talking about here, helping to help other people make images. And that's all we're talking about.
1: Why, yeah. do, people, why do people struggle, do you reckon? What what do you reckon is the the block? Well, or the... at the
2: moment, I'm struggling with upstairs. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. The building the building is okay. That is a ball slam, Igor.
1: If you've ever been to a gym, yes, I know yes. you go to the gym and you're you go on the
2: stepper, but if you if you,
1: I'm uh, going to say uh, that was a I'm going to twenty five. 30kg ball. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was a meaty one, wasn't it?
3: <laughs> As a non-gym goer, a ball slam sounds painful.
2: So, <laughs> if you're a regular listener to the podcast, you would have heard <laughs> yeah. the balls going upstairs.
1: Just fortunately, it was the other corner of the office. If it yes. was above us, you would have you would Ooh. have really noticed it.
2: But yes, um, but you said Sam, um, or you asked,
1: yeah. Why? Well, I, I wonder. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to just open this discussion up between us. Like, what, what limits or why prevents people, people from putting themselves out there, and then, like we've been through it, we mm-hmm. we can probably understand why it is difficult. But I wonder why people are so anti that kind of approach of, I
2: no no, I'm just a photographer. I'm just going to show photos. I think number one, it's a cultural thing, because if you look at US, it's just it's oh just they're com-
1: in a they're in a different world, aren't
2: they? <laughs> I mean, and there we go. It's cultural. Yeah, um, the sense of. Putting your face there and showing your face. They're like, hey,
1: welcome to my YouTube channel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hit subscribe.
2: And the guy's got like 25 followers on Instagram. And you're like, what the exactly, hell? <laughs> exactly. Exactly that. Exactly that. Whereas here, we are we are just completely different. It's a, it's it's that sort of like yeah. British nuance that, that... No, I shall not put myself in front <laughs> of a video.
3: <laughs> Can I be honest though? I don't even think it's that. I think it's yeah. a branding thing. Because mm-hmm. like... I say because like a lot, I'm going to stop doing that. Um, I, I do think it's a branding thing. I think that when you approach it, your business has kind of got an aesthetic that is, in both of your cases, luxurious, right? You're both luxury wedding photographers. And as a result of that, you, you kind of approach all of these things and think, this photograph I'm about to post, does it fit my brand? And I think that the disconnect happens when you don't know how to show up to your audience and maintain that. Because it's not like you're, philosophically against video like you're not hating on it or anything it's just like well where does it fit though if i post this camera phone of me going hey and and like dancing and pointing to stuff like it's not i'm too proud it's not i feel uncomfortable it's this isn't me this isn't my brand Mm -hmm. my clients aren't here for this how do we make it so this fits better with everything else you produce and the fact is the clues in the title you're a luxury wedding photographer so if you're Approach to marketing it is amateur it can feel uncomfortable Mm. doesn't mean that's wrong it's just that I think part of the reason why so many people are hesitant isn't just that they're scared because I'm scared but I still do it the fact is that you need to find a way of making it fit with your existing offering and appealing to your audience
2: I think as well people get get bogged down on the whole idea of of just literally just starting they just don't know how to start and this is why i admire you sam because you're literally yeah i'm just gonna show my face i don't know how i'm just (laughs) gonna show my face (laughs) it's literally like making a fool of myself (laughs) yeah a little bit but it's it's again it's that it's the whole making a fool of themselves uh, people having the sort of like fear of I don't know how's this going to be received. Yeah, I think there does right. have to be a mindset shift. I do yeah. feel
1: like I, I over the last few years have really been a lot more aware and conscious of being yeah. able to just go. Now, do you know what I'm going to do things that scare me a little yeah. bit, or maybe even, like like Tom said, like make me feel a bit more uncomfortable.
2: Yeah, because you know, I even I even wrote it on. it just made me remember. I even wrote it my diary and i think it was probably a conversation that we were having or something like that but you are your business Mm. just get that in your mind you are your business so start showing up well one of the attendees
1: last week i won't name names but she'll know she'll know who she is and Mm -hmm. we talked about you know you really need to just put your brand and your your face and your name across your brand a bit more it just didn't 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 exist and and blessed she posted a a, uh, you know a time-lapse story of her working the following day and i was like this is amazing this is it and then i looked a minute later and it was like the message didn't send i was like why is that and i went back and she deleted the story which had been live for about a minute come on people and i'm like come on she's like oh i just wasn't sure and there was a, she found reasons for why it needed to come down and then repost it i was like no you need to let go of hmm. you need to let go of those fears a little bit and not yeah. worry that it's not
3: i, I think that the, always when, it always needs to be perfect it doesn't well, per- awesome. perfectionism is, is definitely dangerous. Like in, in this avenue, because mm. you're not going to be good at it until you've tried. And I think again, if you're going to, she do... described herself as a toxic perfectionist, which I thought was brilliant. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, like I think all perfectionists are like it, there is no such thing as perfect. Like there is no thing that's ever what? been Have made. Have you not seen
2: our Instagram? Feed? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, cu- curated and incredible, JP. but I'm
3: perfect. JP. Like <laughs> it, it's. I think this this is that this is a fallacy. I don't think anybody is capable of making something perfect for a number of reasons. Definitely one not. i don't think i'm capable i think anybody's capable of achieving that but on top of that it's so much about your audience's perception mm-hmm. what if you hate sci-fi and like somebody shows you star trek for the first time you're going to be bored to tears like you don't you just because you're not interested in it it's, yeah. i love star trek if if i hadn't watched that with my dad as a kid i would have been a sadder child that's all i'm saying but the, <laughs> the point is, it's it's about it's about your audience as well and this is something that this is the reason I continue to make reels. In the end, you're trying to find the four or five people that that one sentence you wouldn't have said if it was perfect hits home for. It's not about you; it's about what you're saying. It isn't about. It isn't even necessarily about what you're saying. I've just said that. It's it's about making sure somebody else appreciates and understands something that they need. And. If you're there to solve a problem, and businesses should be, you should be there to fix something. Either make them to make somebody feel better about themselves or like give them a legacy, something they can look back on in years to come, or educate somebody, help somebody to get past a block, help them to book clients, help them to with the workflow, whatever. The point is that if you don't say anything, how are they ever going to know how to fix the problems they already have? They could be making mistakes they're completely unaware of, and that one sentence from you could be just enough to get them out of that help them improve and continue being a photographer to stay in business so when you're thinking should I say this think about the person you're speaking to and say it to them
2: so that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: like that's like what is going to happen <laughs> like, you just look to me like so Tom Sorry. tell me about your mother <laughs>
1: <laughs> no we'll keep that in the edit though. That's nice. <laughs> that a nice little, a nice little that's moment
3: why I'm it was a little bit down. terrifying I'm not
2: going to lie <laughs> So you, you've you said how you very much started with education, guitar teaching, then went into big commercial jobs, rooted into small commercial jobs. Now you're trying to get into education again. Mm-hmm. How are you finding that that journey and getting back into teaching and, and in some ways, why? I mean, I think the
3: biggest block for me was that when I moved kind of into trying to be a wedding photographer. I did some courses with a company that will remain nameless that was based in the North of England Mm -hmm. um, that used to run business intensive workshops. And it was such a colossal waste of money. I've been so nervous about any kind of high-end education in in any industry because I looked at it and kept thinking this is this is atrocious I can't believe that they they charge this amount to somebody starting out when actually there was no value provided it was a two-day pitch for products and brand partners and it honestly it was upsetting not because uh, I I think education is bad but because at the time it was such a huge investment for me and I, I knew that it needed to have an impact and it just it just didn't and I think honestly the clubhouse factor was the thing that's got me back like it it wasn't until i realized that people didn't necessarily intuitively know some of the things that i knew hadn't learned things that i had that i kind of realized i needed to do more to share it um it actually took quite a lot like i was speaking to a few people i've got a business coach and i actually had a couple of other people on clubhouse recommending i start doing that because of the way that um, i was speaking to people and it, it wasn't until maybe a year ago i started actually educating again and since then I've kind of kept it very simple it's specifically about workflow um, because I find that like nine times out of ten photographers are learning from other photographers that have kind of cobbled it together as they went along a lot of people use Lightroom like it was 2011 and there were there've been huge changes and continue to be huge changes to how the platform's designed to work Um, and honestly I kind of did the first real sessions and started seeing people's editing time drop people going from seven days of uh, post production for a wedding to like half a day to a day and clearing the backlog and um, there's one photographer i dealt with and she um she literally had a backlog reaching until april last year uh, so she <laughs> wow. was she was shooting this year's weddings with four months of weddings from august of last year because it just that's just how long it took her to edit Sheesh. um but we worked together in, I think it was late April this year and she's been up to date for months and is basically clearing weddings the same week she's shooting them or very soon afterwards. Um, and I think that's kind of the thing that made me realize how important it is. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's massive.
2: Once you start seeing the results really and how you are sort of like, how people that- I think a lot, yeah. I think, sorry, I interrupt you. I think people yeah. are
1: really
3: intimidated, aren't they? Yeah. By systems. Um, True. I also think this is something that comes back to brand again. It's it's difficult to admit that you're not perfect at everything when you're working at a high level. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said before, I, I have a business coach, and it's because I'm not I'm not perfect at every aspect of the, the work that I do, and I, I don't pretend to be. And you shouldn't. Um, and I think as a result of that, because people want to be seen as as somebody that's in a position where they can educate, maybe they're teaching the wrong courses, etc you can't stop learning. And the point is that if you were at the pinnacle of every aspect of your career, you'd be in a very rarefied group. And I don't think that's true for the majority. Um, I know for a fact that I'm completely happy with the way that I shoot, um, but I absolutely need somebody to show me how to get that in front of people. Mm -hmm. How do you get over creative block, all that kind of stuff. And um, I think for a lot of photographers that there's a hesitance to learn because they don't want to be perceived as a beginner. but in actual fact, some of the people that i have known best in this industry are always learning. And even if they're selling their own education products, it hasn't stopped because the fact is the industry doesn't stop. Like we talked earlier about video. Look, like if you want to move into that and you don't know how to film videos, you need to learn. Yeah, you're going back
1: to the start again, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. Again, we talked about Tony before. Tony, we talked about the second mountain and we yeah. started reading that book about yeah. that, that kind of... Like you know, you conquer the first mountain, which is learning to become a photographer, and then you're like, okay, I've done, finished, I'm what? set for life. <laughs> See you later. But actually, it's the worst thing you can do, and actually, you need to get back to the bottom of the mountain again yeah. and, and start.
3: And I also think that there's there's a, a kind of a there's a difference between prescriptive and tailored education as well. Like if you walk into a situation where you're buying something pre-recorded, there's a huge place for that because it means that you know you're gonna get a repeatable experience. You can look at past examples and think, that will work for me because it worked here, here, and here for this person, this person, and this person. That's great if you have a common problem, but if you don't know what your problems are or you need a solution that's tailored, as in your work is not the same as the person next to you, or you don't wanna compromise on something that you're doing, Mm that's when coaching is important. So part of the reason why I restarted with coaching rather than like, like a, a kind of pre recorder thing is because I'm seeing a lot of people having issues that are similar, but not the same. Yeah. And the actual time-saving elements are when you adapt what they're doing to, to kind of fit a better practice and then let them let them run with it. Yeah. Um, whereas every time I've done something like, oh, I'll do this, this, and this, it, it does still have results, but It isn't the same and it doesn't create the same confidence that you need to kind of fully invest in something like that.
1: And that's the key, isn't it? It's about investing. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking of that photographer that you've just spoken about going from, you know, editing weddings from the previous calendar year to now just knowing what they're doing, the time frame's reduced, cleared within a few weeks, whatever it might be, just the the weight and the pressure that must be off those shoulders now to be able to run a business. And also just the time. I suppose people see it as well, it's a lot of money, mm-hmm. but actually, when you really think about it, and you think about the time that she has now saved, and how she can redistribute that time to other parts of her business, well, it's, it's all of a it's sudden ridiculous. Not, it's not. Um, it's not expensive, the ROI is,
2: it? is it's it's so high, really. And I was going to say you got to think of it from this perspective as well, in terms of education, and especially within our industry. But, um, if you, if you go into university, you're going to pay a bomb per term, literally nine K easily. Um, which is ridiculous when you really, really think about it. What some of these sort of like courses out there, um, yes, there's this sort of like, how do I say it? There's, there's this fear or sometimes, uh, unknowability of if I'm going to pay, Let's say two K for this course. Am I really going to get back my value? Sort well, that's of probably thing? the fear that Tom had with
1: the course that he went to, and yeah, hundred percent didn't deliver. Yeah.
2: So because the the, the entry point or the standard can be high or low, or whatever else. But when you know who's where it's coming from, in some ways, mm. it it becomes it becomes a lot easier, and especially when you see it from the perspective that I was saying about union of everything else, it's actually quite cheap. For what are you gonna a do, the result of that that yeah. girl in terms in terms of again the ROI for what she paid for what she is doing right now, it's it's ridiculous and
3: yeah. It, it, this is kind of the issue though, because the the challenge if you're trying to market education is making promises that you can definitely deliver on for mm-hmm. every person, because yeah. like you said, otherwise confidence is undermined. But the other thing is because we we know that we we're working as it is and things are status quo people are hesitant to make changes to workflow specifically because well it's working why would i change it Mm -hmm. um and i think that we look at examples like the one i just mentioned and that i don't think many of us would take seven full eight hour days to edit edit a wedding if, if you were shooting a wedding like maybe there's some that are but most most wouldn't but the fact is that as time progresses, if you don't upgrade your systems, like cameras aren't making smaller files anymore. They're not shooting like easier to handle formats. You're going to find that if you don't keep up with this stuff, it just, it runs away from you. Yeah. And I think that having some kind of budget in place for continuous improvement from like an actual product standpoint is massive because yeah. in the end we are photographers. Like the thing that we are delivering is a photograph. Um, And this is kind of a separate issue, but I kind of went on a bit of a a rant on Instagram the other day about outsourcing because I genuinely feel like AI and outsourcing when you're not ready for it. Here we go. (laughs) It's so damaging. So let's take an example. Say if you start using a popular AI service, again, I don't like naming companies because I don't think anyone's doing anything wrong. And you're new in your career. You've done four or five weddings, mm. you've got your first camera, you're mm. ready to go. And you, you all of a sudden you pick up and like people are booking you and you're still working your day job and you think I need to get some time back. You've got two options. You can either spend the time and learn and accelerate that by buying education or you can outsource either to an AI software company or to an actual person. If it's AI, sure, same game. Yeah. It, the thing is it, there are situations where it makes sense long term too mm. but if you're new and you give AI your last 5,000 images to decide what your colour palette should be who's in control
2: yeah it's true yeah. it's true um, I think yeah it's it's a dangerous game it is it is a dangerous game especially the way our industry is going but I, I, I'm all for AI absolutely well, I, love yeah, it yeah I'm, I'm for it but I wouldn't would, would go, would go
1: back to my first four or five years and change a exactly. thing even like the volume that I shot, you know, they that that volume of weddings that I shot then forced me to go right. I need the systems in exactly. place to be efficient and to have a structure and a workflow yeah. that still stick with me now. And yeah. like, oh, maybe I do need to update to Lightroom Mobile, but you know, that's that's another question. Yeah, yeah but yeah, there was oh, there were so many things that were racing through my mind. Then that we're we talking, <laughs> there was that. There was also you're an educator, but you have a business coach. Exactly. I want to explore that, that a little yeah. bit more.
3: So. Um, I kind of touched on it before. Like my, I've actually had multiple business coaches because as far as I'm concerned, I need expertise. I, I am not perfect at running a business. I'm really terrible at promoting myself. Like you've probably heard in the conversation, I talk about concepts a lot, but I don't like talking about me. But as you've both said, I am my business. Like yep. if you hire somebody, you, you're hiring me. So I needed somebody to, to remind me that I needed to be more present. I need somebody to keep me accountable. If I, And now, if I don't record a reel this week, my business coach is going to be telling me I need to do it. <laughs> <Wow>.
2: <laughs> like literally that. It's like having a business PT. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it,
3: it is, yeah. Exactly that. And th- the wonderful thing about it is you can pick people with the expertise that you're missing. If you're a business maven, congratulations. Like one, I wish I was. That'd be awesome. But there are people that can teach you the photography element. If you're doing anything there is going to be somebody that is more skilled at the area that you're deficient in yeah and deficiency sounds like such a horrible word but it isn't
2: mm.
3: it's fine to to be like lopsided and to be like focused on something you care about like if somebody said to you today like you can't develop your photography anymore you're not allowed to i'm going to take your cameras off you you've got to you've got to spend 110 your time on your accounts you probably got spare you just hire an accountant like the fact is like how much would it be worth to you to get the camera back in your hands yeah and for me it's exactly the same like if, if i want to teach people i need to know how best to present what i'm teaching to people we talked about american culture
1: a little bit ago didn't we as well and, and i think that's a, a really notable difference between american and british cultures is that yeah. they are so much more aware and open to education yeah. as a way to progress and develop themselves yeah. than we are in the uk we're almost a bit like no, I don't need to. <laughs> no. I know, I don't need to be told by somebody what to do. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to yeah. figure it out myself, you know. Yeah. And you said I think you need to flip that mindset.
2: Yeah. Yeah, very much true. You said you had two business coaches yeah. previously. How do you even go about choosing who you're going to trust as a business coach? Look look at the results. Like who who's doing what you want to do. Yeah, but what made you sort of like make the jump to, yeah, I'm going to invest in this with you specifically? I mean, that, that was
3: an interesting one because for me, the first person I hired as a business coach was um, James and Joel Melia. Mm-hmm. Um, they And the people I knew personally, they, I respected them, liked the way that he conducted himself and he was honest and it, I felt like I knew him as a person. It's like, no, like, and trust factor yeah. that takes the fear away, but it gets to a point where the relationship became more like a peer-to-peer thing, and you, you're working on the same level because they've shared the knowledge they've got, and that's mm-hmm. the, the purpose of education. Like, it, if that wasn't the case, we'd all still be in year one, and that having the same teacher. Like, yes, yeah. that that's we need to progress. And the, the is still people that I highly respect and would recommend to anybody that's trying to learn. Amazing people, but if I was specifically looking for, say, marketing advice. I might need to look elsewhere because they don't communicate the way that I do and at that point you're looking to try and find out well okay who's who's talking the way that I want to talk who's editing the way I want to edit like gravitate towards the
2: people that look like you want to look like mm. then that's yep. what you're saying
3: yep and, and like you said if people are endeavoring to present themselves honestly mm-hmm. and I, I hope people are that means that you can kind of look at that and say well cool this is the person saying that they do what I need to fix and yeah let's, let's go with that and that's still the case now. Like the person that's coaching me, um, she, she's a professional business coach, and that, but she's worked as a photographer. She still has a photography practice, but she's de- primarily developing her education practice. I don't particularly want her clients, but I want to know how she speaks to them. And that's been the most valuable element. It, it's things like not realizing when you've got a subconscious block. So I, I am not good at assessing my own performance. So let's say I've recorded a reel and I lose five followers because those five people were there for when I was doing wedding photography five years ago and Instagram hasn't showed me a point, a post in that time. And they see me like, okay, I don't want it anymore. Cool. But in my head, I'm like, why do they hate me? Like, what, what, what's wrong with me? Like, what have I done wrong? And actually there's a refining process going on. But me looking at that and saying that to you is one thing, but seeing, all the effort I've just put into making that real that felt uncomfortable, and then moving on and thinking, like, I need to, I need some help here. Like, what's going wrong? Looking at my analytics, because that's how I'd previously measured effectiveness and seeing the numbers go down. Having a business coach meant that they could say, like, you should expect a shrinkage of this much. If it's less than this, it's actually within plan and you'll see it grow in the next amount of time. And like, having that kind of reassurance means that when you're making decisions that are, not junk food it's choosing it's choosing the 1 mile run and not the sofa the sofa set you don't just feel uncomfortable because you've run and got a stitch and wonder why it was painful you think no this is the first step towards my marathon you're trying to build a practice that feels uncomfortable that's beneficial and that's kind of the ultimate positive and you said it's like a PT it's exactly like a PT it's literally the same it's the same role somebody that understands Just the body works ball slams. <laughs> I mean I hope not <laughs> if That'd that happens I'm even on that's yeah. <laughs> right give
1: me 20 yeah. ball slams <laughs> <laughs> like,
3: but this, right. this is ultimately where it, where it comes to like who knows how to get you unstuck <laughs> Studio Ninja Igor, <laughs>
2: here we go.
0: Yeah, I am off
1: again. But I, I wanted to. I just wanted to talk about one more thing because I think, and I am not here to criticise one of our sponsors, but I think they're missing a trick. Ooh, shots fired! Tell yeah. us, tell us what so you're they thinking. are. It, it's it claims to be designed by photographers for photographers, which mm-hmm. it is. It is designed by photographers for photographers. Yeah. So I am not arguing that. But it's not just for photographers. That's it. So much I just more. think it's for any, anybody that's in a service-based industry. This this piece of software is invaluable. I've had friends that are MUA's, hairstylists, florists, stylists. You know, you name it. I've had them all reach out, and I've given them sort of guidance and setting them up that have gone on to use Studio Ninja. And like this is invaluable for our business. Yeah. So um, if Studio Ninja are listening and watching this back, might want to think about who you're targeting it yeah. to because yeah. actually yeah. I think it's. I think they're missing a trick. I think Go there's a the whole masses. market. There's a whole market out there that, you know, you don't just need to be a, a photographer or a videographer in the wedding industry. If you are a service-based industry and you've got clients or couples, whoever they may be, and you need to book people in, you need to send them automated emails, invoices. um You know, the system and the software is yep. there for for anybody to use in, in in whichever business they're they're operating in. Yeah,
2: get Studio Ninja there you go so, so what's the people- discount code Igor Uh-oh. you should know
1: it by now because I told you a few times uh,
2: let me see let me see I wonder what oh, it could I'm be I'm guessing I'm guessing <laughs> um, I'm joking it's another idea it's that simple so if you got to Studio Ninja um, type in that at the checkout and you'll get 50% off for the whole year and you'll get the first month free
1: you get the first month free and then another idea gets 50% off their first annual subscription there we go. There you go. Sorted.
2: Go get it. Right. Let's go. I've got a question.
1: Okay. Is it okay, Tom, to be friends with somebody that prefers prosecco to champagne? <laughs> is episode. it? Is that? Is it allowed? So, no, prosecco like,
3: is preferred. The the price per enjoyment. I'm off. <laughs> I've had enough of the pair. He's of gone, you.
2: everybody. He's gone. Thank no, you, Tom. You
3: can't come back. You can't come back. Honestly, pr- prosecco is the better beverage. Definitely not. <laughs> anyway. that's exactly what he's doing. Yeah. I do. So the thing is, if, if you tell him, Did like the, you earlier, the, Tom.
1: I'm not so sure now. If you tell <laughs> me the only
3: way to have a tasty, like, a sparkling wine beverage is to have it made in one region in France, I disagree. Okay. Just plain and simple. Not like Cremol. Cremol's nice. That, oh, there we go. See, so you've, yeah. you've broadened your horizons. Yeah. <laughs> is this just an anti-Italian just, thing? I'm not, just not a fan of Prosecco. Yeah. Is it the sweetness?
1: Oh, it gives, I get I get headaches from Prosecco.
3: And right. It's like, I find Ooh. it quite...
1: Um, It's always got, like, a bit more of a chemical taste to me than...
3: Oh, yeah, there's definitely an acidic mm, aftertaste to it. The champagne. Mm. I kind of like that, though. This is... Like Igor said before, like, you you kind of kindly bought me a crate of IPA, which (laughs) is amazing. Um, Some chocolate. I know, I can't wait. It's going to be be good. We
1: like to look after our guests, don't you? I feel
3: feel pampered. But, like, the main reason why I like IPA now is because they've varied it. Like, so IPA was made way back to try and keep beer good when it was travelling a long way to India. And... That stuff tasted awful because it was bitter and nasty, but it used a lot of hops to keep it fresh. And then Americans made it all sweet and tasty, and now it's lovely. Is so I think it's Tom the same, now
2: Exactly. This is for me. <laughs> <laughs> now imagine like a, a whole eight hour journey through Scotland, and literally the conversation literally just went everywhere. Absolutely like everywhere.
1: I've I've been messaging Tom recently about like, but yeah, film cameras and every camera. That I'm like, what about this one? He's like, okay, yeah. So this is a great camera. But there's an issue. And it's like every camera. It's like, Tom, yeah. have you used every single camera that I'm sending you? I'm like, yeah, pretty much.
3: I mean, you, you ended up buying a Mamiya 645, which is an yeah. amazing camera. But you Bet. bought.
1: <laughs> bought the wrong version. Yeah. No, you. Oh, no. You
3: bought the better lens. Like, this is the thing. Like, there are, there are certain things like where you could. Let's say if you're a Canon shooter right now and you don't have a nice 50mm lens, Sam. Yeah, I don't. don't. I have the 85. Yeah, yeah. but there are certain lenses that kind of make it worth owning the system and that's even more true on film cameras. Mm. Like that Mamiya 80mm 1.9 you got, for anybody that's actually interested in this stuff, it's the fastest medium format lens that was ever released. Like it's, it's a beautiful... And I bought it
1: by absolute fluke. But yeah.
3: Yeah. But, yeah. This is, but this is the thing. It's like when you said, I've got this one, like, great. That's cool. Because if you're going to go to the expense of shooting film, and let's face it, it's getting more and more yeah, expensive, yeah. make it worth it. Do something it you can't really do. could be
1: expensive the film comes back that we tested last week and it's like... <laughs> So, Sam, well, we've
3: developed your film, and the um, yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing on it. Yeah. And then when that comes back, you're like, am I really a photographer? Like, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's
2: 40 quid just thrown away. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, But yeah, knowing how varied you are and how versatile you are in terms of conversation, um, what are sort of like your current inspirations in terms of film and art, music, whatever? So, TV has gotten amazing recently. Mm-hmm.
3: Like, just oh, plain and simple. Can't like. I, th- there are TV series that are coming out now, even from like major studios that are just fantastic. Like, if you haven't already like watched it on Disney Plus, low key. No. The, the whole thing, the set design, the way they deal with atmosphere, angles, incredible. They spend basically the entire series shooting up at actors with a twenty-four millimeter lens, and it looks awesome. It's like a really good so, challenge. Ooh. Loads of distortion. Yeah. yeah. Interesting yeah. set design. Love that. Um, magazines, like I always, always love a magazine. Like it's um, a huge source of inspiration because I, I find that a lot of people working in the commercial space will do those as passion projects or advertisements and you can have a look through and see what's lighting other people up. Absolutely love magazines. Like Ma-
1: Magazines slow you down as well, don't they, by nature? Yeah. And you have to slow down and take, it's not like a, oh, I've seen that next image, next image, next yeah. image, yeah, yeah. next it's, image. It's, it's on Instagram. That, that process of, of absorbing the content is just... Yeah.
2: And you really Pretty look well at well it, don't back. you? You really analyze yeah. it. Yeah.
3: But I think in terms of um, what's inspiring me creatively outside of that, it's actually been photographing family more. Mm-hmm. We're talking about this between uh, between like ad breaks, um, but I've got a little Fuji camera right now, and it's it's genuinely made me happy to take pictures again because, like like I said before, I, I left my like full time photography job to to have more time with family. And now I've got a camera in my pocket all the time and I get to make pictures of of my kid and my wife and the stuff that we do. And I I feel like um, there's there's a difference between being an appreciator of somebody else's artwork and then the actual act of making something. And I really love photography as a medium to look at, but for me, it's always been like more of a performance art. I, I I like the action of holding a camera in my hand, like working out how it works taking pictures with it, trying to lean into that like 5% where you make magic. I, I really love the process of experimenting with new things. And you said before, like knowing how varied you, your interests are. But part of the reason why you, I know about all these film cameras is because I like playing with, with cameras. Like I, I like I like the way that that 80 mil you've got, the focus throw is really short. Then you can get the focus where you want, but it's quick and fun to use and soft and low contrast. And there's, there's, it's like, <laughs> It's like when you look at photography as a technical exercise, there are two things you can think. You can either look at it as like, oh, that's boring, I don't want another specs. Or you can be looking for something that's like that 1% that nothing else does to try and get something unique. And I think that's where my inspiration is. I really like learning about new things to try and push it to a position where nobody else would use it or um, to try and make something comfortable that would have been uncomfortable before. Um, So ultimately, outside of like visual inspiration from other places, I think. Actually, using the equipment that I've got has been it's been amazing yeah. recently. That's
2: really good. Um, on your on your form, um, you you put literally right at the end, and I want to do this in the most respectful way. You put it right at the end that you have got PTSD and dyspraxia, yeah. And I uh, and I thought it would be a disservice if we if we didn't touch upon oh, those points yeah. <laughs> <Absolutely. Yeah. And laughs> for yeah. anyone listening and anything else. So, how have you literally within, within your professional life? Um, navigated around it so i didn't really touch on it massively
3: but the reason i left weddings is because of the ptsd like I, f- I find the evening reception was triggering mm-hmm. and there's a lot of drunk people around there and it just got to the point where i, I there's one particular wedding with a particularly gross set of groomsmen and i was just like i'm done with this now So at that point, I just didn't take any more bookings. And Mm -hmm. um, I've still got one wedding left, but it's for a prior couple. And that's happening like next year in the Lake District. But these are people that are new. And I've actually photographed the majority of their family's weddings. But it just got to the stage I just couldn't cope with that kind of like high alcohol party environment where other people are having the time of their lives and maybe not as respectful as they should be. And all I can say is I don't know how it feels to be a woman in that environment, because even as a guy, it was just it was really triggering Mm -hmm. i know a lot of people don't have those issues but there are some pretty frightening statistics about sexual harassment in the wedding industry and for anybody that's experienced that like you're definitely not alone it's 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 sadly over the course of the career it's the vast majority of people experience something like that i just got to the stage i thought it's not really worth it i'm a photographer i can do these other things so just changed avenue but frankly if it wasn't for the ptsd I don't think I would have left weddings because, actually, aside from that, I love the challenge or the documentary elements. Mm -hmm. It was all wonderful. Um, But that's one side of it. You you mentioned dyspraxia as well, and that's actually something that's had a recent change for me because dyspraxia is like, um, for those that don't know, it it used to be called clumsy child syndrome, which is super blunt. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Um, Wow. Yeah. Um, It can be called DCD, which stands for developmental coordination disorder. Okay. But what it actually is is my brain works faster than the communication to the rest of my body. So, right. like the best way I can describe it is one of my teachers, that was a RE teacher at school, said uh, his brain works faster than his hands because I'd start a point, I'd be writing it down, and then the sentence would just end, as in like, um, wow. so so there you go, like it'd be the middle of a sentence and just finish because in my head I'd already the written thing? it down and I'd moved on. Yeah, um, and for me it was quite. Discouraging because I was put in like remedial classes all the way through school, literally treated like an idiot, Um, and then finally got to college and um, did music. Because obviously, I ended up being a music uh, teacher in the end. But my music teacher kind of picked up on the fact that I wasn't performing as well as everybody else, but I was working as hard. And she sent me for an assessment. So went in, did the assessment. Turns out I'm just praxic. That's literally it. That's the only support I've had from the government uh, or any kind of educational establishment. Everything else has been done when I did my teacher Probably training. How old were you when that happened? 17, 18? Wow, okay. Or, yeah.
1: Gosh, just, that's quite a, well, your entire educational life. you yeah. going
3: through it. Literally, I got the, the assessment the week before my final exam at yeah. college. Um, it was just that late. Um, how did you take that? How did that? It, it, imagine somebody telling you that the water's wet. Because it's, it's 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 always been that way. Yeah. Like you, it didn't make a blind bit of difference to me. Like you don't, especially with like neurodiversity, which refers to basically anything that's a kind of disorder that affects the way that you think. Yeah. Um. You don't know any different. How could you? You see the world through the lens that you've you've got, and that's seen, it. Yeah. Um. So for me, um, some of the way that it, the ways that it presents is um, overwhelm. So very often, it's difficult for me to assess what input to act on in what order. And I don't normally learn in a sequential manner. So let's say let's say you were trying to teach me how to load a roll of film. And you say, right, the first thing you do is open the film back. Then you pull out your instant cartridge. By the time you got to that point, I've, I've lost you. Because the way that I learn is not chronological. It's holistic. So I have to understand how everything on that camera works. And then when I know that, I can reload it because I know how it works, <laughs> man, that's
1: incredible. Actually, I mean, I, I have to, I have to say before we get into anything else, I know you put a reel out recently about it and it, and it, I, you know, there was a huge amount of respect from a lot of people that you were as open and willing to share that. Cause I don't think enough people do talk about it, mm-hmm. you know, um, I'd
2: agree. So. But I think as well, me knowing you, it just, it just makes sense. Yep it just makes sense for you and your character and i'm yeah. like yeah that's tom yeah that's tom oh yep. oh that makes so much sense literally with conversations and everything because you always want to know how something works like before like but the whole thing yeah <laughs> and even in conversations no ego but 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 this but this yep. <laughs> yeah yeah
3: because if if i don't have a holistic view i don't understand it on any level yeah so the challenge is the- when you
2: say holistic view literally the the entirety, of thing.
3: All of it, yeah.
1: Probably ties into exactly what you do in workflow support and education for photographers, because exactly. actually the, the complexities of a of an efficient workflow are yep. pretty complex, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of traps to fall in.
3: And one of the things you mentioned before is I'm clear communicator, but actually it's because because I have a whole understanding. It's not that difficult to explain one part of it anymore because I, I understand it. Um, the downside is if I'm trying to learn something new that barrier is massive. Like it takes me a long, long time to learn these skills. Mm -hmm. And that goes again back to the coach because I I need accelerated learning. If I don't have somebody to speed up the process, I'll run out of stamina and I'll stop. Mm -hmm. And that's just a fact. And all of this is intellectual stuff because photography, it it felt like a gift, honestly. Like The first time I picked the camera up, like I said, it was by happenstance. I was doing something else. I have a, it's a coordination disorder dyspraxia means that I, my motor coordination is terrible like i I actually have had issues learning to drive because of it it's it's a really it's really kind of hard and I'm not a particularly severe case. You get some people that can't make complex math movements, some people can't move their fingers at joints there's all sorts of levels of it and I'm mm. definitely not affected as badly as some people can be but i I was teaching the guitar, but the reason I was teaching the guitar is because I couldn't perform because compared to everybody else with me i was slower and when you're trying to keep time with other people that are improvising just couldn't keep up but it was an amazing opportunity for me to teach other people that were also neurodiverse so one of the 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 best students i ever had was a kid that was also dyspraxic but again much more severe couldn't speak some days couldn't move their hands in complex shapes so it's like how do you adapt learning an instrument to this person and I've said this on the reel you're talking about but Snap Photo Fest did a a survey and 65% of the people that responded to that survey which is obviously not everybody identified as being neurodivergent which is the term that you use for people with any of these disorders but we don't talk about it so literally more than half of the people that are in a a room of photographers at a conference don't learn the way that everybody else does Hmm. And yet, we approach education in the same way for yeah. everybody. So true. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it, it's incredible. It's, yeah. No. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. It's making me think. It's just making me, just open my eyes. Really, open my eyes. Really, to education. Really, how to really adapt and and, and fill in the gap. Yeah.
3: I, I think a lot of this stuff can be instinctive as well, because if you if you view education with a, from the point of view of like no. My job is to make sure this person understands at some stage yeah. like the, the how doesn't matter as much and you, you get there and I, th- I think again that's another reason why i'm a pretty big proponent for one-to-one help because it, it, it's the most efficient way of doing something it doesn't scale very well but it's it's efficient And um, but as well like it, there are wonderful things about it like you said oh no, tom like this this is how you operate and it's true like a it's true like i i, I know that I have a good mechanical understanding of things. I going to my question
1: to you is like, what, what, what are the advantages to it? And you know, how does yeah. it impact you on a sort of day-to-day basis in a positive way?
3: So let's say let's say you're given a new camera and somebody says like, cool, you, this is the upgrade. Now you need to go out and make stuff with it. Like th- That's like a playground to me because I'm now exploring something like a new piece to fit inside of this huge puzzle that I've got. And it, it means that when you, you kind of have mastered something and you have a full command of it, the the joy is like finding new ways to make it fit and thinking about it from different angles like even simple things this sounds so boring but lens selection is so interesting like there's like hundreds of years of lens design and yet in the last 5 to 10 we've decided that we want sharpness to be the main thing we look at why and if you don't want that then what do you do and like these are like new questions that you can look at and examine and think where does this fit where's the art in this so you're taking something that's technical and because you've got a mastery of it you can make it artful he's coming in our
1: studio as well and ripped apart our studio set the so what i would do is i'd film this from this angle i put the lights over there and, but it's you know it's, it kind of fits it's that yeah. you know real under technical understanding of, of everything that's, yeah. that's happening
3: and it can be a challenge because basically you need to stay open as well because if my mental model is wrong i need to be ready to change yeah. as well yeah. and Because it's harder for me to learn again, there can be resistance. So, like keeping that curiosity and like asking the questions, like that—that's where the joy is. Mm -hmm. And like said, inspiration, like cool, like other other media, great. But what about what's right in front of us? Like, Mm -hmm. what about that?
2: Are you constantly sort of like? Um, you know when sometimes you might be watching a movie and you're looking at a very much an analytical sort of point of view are you know where this is going are you constantly doing that yeah yeah or does, does it have like an off button no no, no. so Oh, sorry, you, you don't have an off switch for distractions. No, I mean, no. Like, Wait, hold
1: on, Tosses turn off for a second.
2: Oh, what's like No, There's oh. levels I'm, I'm, I'm in my mind. No, you're right. You're my right. Mind, I'm asking if there's levels. The same way. Yeah. Do you know what I mean?
3: No, so there isn't. The, the only way I can switch off is by watching things I've already watched. Wow. So, like, it, repetition is great. I love comfort TV. So, um, give you an example. Like, you've seen Dune, right? Yeah. You've seen Dune? Yeah. Cool. I, I'm glad that you can say that because I know you don't like sci-fi. So, um, <laughs> but. Did you know that it was scanned onto 35mm film? Okay. Nope. <laughs> so they they print they made a print for it. So they, they did the film, they did the color grade, they did the VFX, and then they printed that onto film and rescanned it because they wanted natural bloom and texture. And when you watch the film, all the way through the film, because I watched that in IMAX the first time, I was like why does it look good why does it look good why does it look so good and then it, it, that was all i could think through the entire film like why does this look so good and there are sections when it, it because i watched it in imax the aspect ratio changed. and kate my wife hadn't even noticed them sitting there like how did they do this yeah So <laughs> it's like, she's it, like oh
1: i've got more popcorn
3: yeah like she, she hates it because oh, she's <laughs> yeah. trying to watch a film and i was sitting there like how did they do it because it, it kind of becomes an obsession but the it's it's fun like I love that. Oh, that's you. You embrace that's, it. You yeah. Know, you embrace that's your
2: it. makeup. That's, that's really good. It, it,
3: yeah. I, th- I think that, yeah, it definitely does not switch off. <laughs> yeah.
1: What does the, so what, what does the future look like for, for Tom now going forward, obviously in like education and more mentoring and, and courses? That, that's only going to grow by the looks of it. From from what oh. you already put out and the, the feedback you ha- you have, you've had, I can only see that kind of growing, which is great. Um, but anything else in the pipeline that you want to kind of,
3: I, I'm just share with us. I'm just happy to be here, to be honest. Like, if well, I'm being... happy So, have here? It's been great. It's
2: been great. It's been <laughs> like, very different. It,
3: it, it's. I just want to keep doing more. I, I want to like. Outside of the business and application side of it, I want more opportunities to do more stuff with a camera, and I, I don't care what it is. I just want to make more photographs, like of my family. For a business, like helping people promote themselves, I I don't mind. And the education side of it is very much an offshoot of that because I can't teach somebody if I don't know. So, realizing that, like, I, I don't like calling them superpowers, but realizing that my tendency is to learn and to try and test things and then show people how to do it, that's all I really want to do. Like Whether that's in a commercial project, working for a company, trying to work out how to get their visual identity across, or whether it's for a photographer, trying to help them to get a better understanding of what makes their work look the way it does and do it quicker or more expansively or with more flair. That's what I want. And the fact that I'm at the beginnings of being able to do that commercially, it's really exciting. So I'm looking forward to doing more of that. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I think we're both excited for you aren't we
2: yeah I'm very, much so, very, very much, much, so. much so especially <laughs> having like a, a better insight into everything that is Tom Wright. yeah I can see this taking off and, and, and going really well um, where can people find you um,
3: so Instagram I'm at by Tom, w, Um my main website is www.bytomw.com same spelling and if you want to learn about the education stuff I'm doing it's tomw.photography boom Amazing. We've got one more question, haven't we? You we question do you remember what that question is, Ego after
1: last
2: week? I'm not ready for you. I do, I do. We did fail at that. And sort one of more
3: thing. You've been watching Apple events again, right? <laughs> no,
2: no. No. Okay, never no, no, mind. No. no, we haven't. Oh well, uh, I've, I've seen snippets of the new iPhone and, and the cloud that it has. Is it the cloud? No. It's what is what, what is think, the brand? I think, I think. I think Tom's <laughs> gonna tell us. Okay. <laughs> It's true. It's that's true. not
3: what I meant at it's all. True. Oh, okay. Well, there's like you a, mean Apple? No, it's like, like a trope at an Apple event where it's, they just say one more thing and then, then announce another product or something. Like, oh, okay. That's it. That was yeah. all it was. Oh, no. <laughs> but But it's a satellite link, and I did know that. <laughs> <laughs> there we go.
2: But now, um, we have this one question that we love to ask every single guest from two episodes ago? Yeah, two episodes <laughs> ago. <laughs>
3: so it's still, still in its
1: infancy. It's an time. age-old tradition. Yeah, yeah
2: but... <laughs> Um, if you were to give any sort of advice to 14 year old Tom what would it be knowing what you know today
3: pick up a camera and start working on your self esteem now because like the, the way that things are going is not the way it will be in a year and honestly I think that's not bad advice at any age like you don't know what's happening tomorrow Yeah. just take the action now and try and try and better yourself today because like, small steps lead to big results
2: why self-esteem
3: there? Because this is this is ultimately a thing. Like I think for a lot of people that have gone through education with a neurodiversity issue that's not diagnosed, I was literally treated like I was an idiot. I was put in the lowest sets, like special support groups, mm-hmm. treated like I was I couldn't think. Um, when in actual fact, it's just that I had a, a neurological difference to other people, yeah. and that's upsetting because it, it, it teaches you that you're no good. I remember like vividly as a kid being sat down at six, trying to spell something and being completely unable to write it Mm. and crying because I couldn't do it. And having your parents try and encourage you doesn't make a difference because you know in the day after, you're gonna have to go in and have the teacher shout at you if you're not doing a good job. So a lot of people that have come through education like this have got not a chip on the shoulder because it isn't like that. It's just, there's just a lack of awareness of their own strengths. Yeah. That's
1: a massive trauma. Yeah.
3: Isn't it really?
1: I mean re- I to just think about it. I mean, it's that's hard to just without speaking about it, without talking to somebody professional and yeah. being able to kind of really explore that. To think back and think of your childhood school experience and that be a dominating scene is.
3: But this this is the experience of so many. Oh yeah. To to the point where, um, especially in people with adhd there's something called acute rejection dysphoria which is where they're looking and because they observe and experience the world like intensely and with great focus if they perceive like negative body language or something that they think means that they're not doing living up to an expectation it can be literally catastrophic Mm -hmm. and that's not something i experience because it is a unique phenomenon to people with adhd Mm -hmm. But a lot of research has been done to say that might actually be because of the way that they're treated through the education system. So what you're just saying about trauma, absolutely. And it isn't traumatic the way that it used to be because, for example, like now there are assessments done at nursery even. like There's help available. But you asked why self-esteem and that's why because Mm -hmm. you have to do a lot of unpacking of what actually is me not being able to do it because of a neurological issue and what's me not be not do it because i'm not good enough Mm
1: -hmm. that's amazing no seriously thank you yeah thank you tom it's i've sat here and just been like i just keep talking tom i could i could (laughs) sit here and listen to just I, i love your views on things i love how clear you clearly you communicate your ideas um, you've been you've been absolutely fascinating to have
2: here so thank you very much for, for giving us yeah. your time
3: no thanks for having me I this appreciate it this is a
2: special it. one it's great to have my both my BFFs <laughs> on either side but yeah thank you so much for listening it's been amazing yeah and just give us a share give, give Tom a share and shout yeah. out as well you know yeah. it's a
1: huge thing for our guests to come yeah. here and talk to us and you know if you can just give them a little bit of a Shout out on Instagram, it's really appreciated. And uh, thank you again, Tom, for giving us your time. We've loved it. Loved having you here. So thank you.
3: It's been my pleasure. Honestly, thanks for having me. And yeah, I can't wait to listen to the next one.
1: (laughs) Great stuff. Amazing. Woo!
2: Just on the edge. I could see it flashing.